0: Hi, guys. Welcome back to Surviving Hollywood. I'm Johnny Ray Diaz.
1: I am Aaron Arnold. My name's
2: Austin Arnold.
0: And uh, we just sat down and had a conversation with uh, what the media would consider the Oprah of our generation. That's she's been called
1: that before in the press. That's right. That's
0: a that's a pretty bold statement, I would say. Right. I
2: mean, that's huge.
0: That's a
2: that's a huge honor. But tell them why
0: all right so we we sat down with angie wandu who is the creator of the shade room i'm sure you guys are familiar with it on instagram i follow them 24 million followers kind of a lot um she talks to us about how she essentially started the shade room how it came to be and um on a now she's working on a new project with Issa ray and she kind of fills in the details what you guys think i mean
2: my my biggest question was how do you go from zero subscribers to 24 million subscribers and she shared her journey we gave she gave tips on you know how it was possible or her strategy back then and then what she would do today if she was starting again from zero and i thought it was excellent perspective Mm -hmm. i thought angie
1: had a great energy uh you know just somebody you want to be around somebody you want to work with Uh, we started off the podcast um, i asked her um, to do a slam poetry if she could remember any from her childhood because I've read she used to do them um, as, a, as a kid when she was growing up in a, a foster environment and, and she did remember one that was awesome. And then she told us all about the shade room and you know going from a, a, par- a point in her life where you know she really didn't have that much going forward to like then like just exploding and you know 24 million subscribers and you know also going through Sundance and then now working on juju with Issa Rae. Uh, which is still in pre-production. So there's not even a date yet, but I don't know. I just loved her energy. I thought this was a great conversation. Um, you know, this is, I think everybody in our audience is going to love this. And when Juju comes out, I certainly am going to be seeing it. Definitely. Roll it guys.
3: Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood. Hollywood.
1: Into the big stuff uh i did i was looking at um you know part of your your history and and i read that you grew up in foster homes in los angeles and you used to do slam poetry uh for oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> for different
1: causes and everything and that makes sense since you're you know uh a content creator and, and a writer today but i was wondering if you remembered any of those old slam poetry rhymes you used to do maybe you could share one with us
3: Oh, you want me to share one? (laughs) I think I remember one. Oh, okay. Um, It's called Behind Bulletproof Glass. I don't know how much of it I remember, but I remember the first part, so, yeah. Or I I remember another one um, called Battlefield about my mom and my dad, so. I don't know, which one would you guys like me to?
0: Your favorite one of those two. The (sighs) one that speaks to you the most.
3: Let me to just start going right now.
0: Sure, if you want. If you if you're filling up for it. If you're game.
3: Okay. I was born in the midst of a battle. My mommy was a queen, and my dad lived in her shadow. Breadwinner and the strongest of her kind. He was blinded by her. Uh, he couldn't. Okay, I, I forgot. Okay, let me do the other one really quickly because I forgot that one. Okay, I'll do this one. I've been longing to talk to my daddy. But what he might have become frightens me. And I can't stand to see him in some dingy ass correction facility, making eye contact through thick glass and having that be our last memory. Take me back to the old days filled with piggyback rides, bear hugs, and butterfly kisses. I've been trying to hate him, but I'm filled with forgiveness. All I wanna remember are the good days when he would coach me in tennis. See, I want to remember the dad that bought my mom flowers and candy for no occasion. The dad that taught us to take full advantage of education. He would sit me down at a table and give me extra hard books to read aloud, and while I was reading, he would feed me constructive criticism. I couldn't even glance at a television. I write for him. I write for the man I last saw in 96, not this. Man that has caused my life to be worse than hell, barricaded in a six by nine cell. I speak of the man that used to preach at Sunday Mass, but he has changed. And I'm not saying, okay, I'll leave it there because that's all. <laughs> I was, that was, I was so good though. Thank you, awesome. I was 13 when I wrote that, but that was- Oh,
0: that's mind. amazing, that's so cool that you still have that in you, you know what I mean? Like you remember that all, that's so good.
3: Thank Listen you, kids. I haven't read poetry in so long, so I'm sorry about that, but I just remember up to that part.
1: Kids, if you're not writing poetry at a young age, I mean, it's too late <laughs> for you, you know? No, I'm just kidding. Anyways. <laughs> let's get into it johnny go ahead
0: yeah well obviously you know everyone knows you from the shade room of course um i kind of wanted to touch on that too before we kind of get into the film you're working on too but um uh tell us a little bit about how the shade room actually came to be because i know you kind of started this in your living room and now it's kind of blown into this massive you know sort of empire but kind of tell us about how that idea started and how you kind of got going
3: well, you know, The Shade Room was supposed to be my plan B. So my goal was always to become a writer. And mm-hmm. um, I had written while well, I was at this dead-end job. And, you know, I I was, like, so depressed working in accounting. And I decided to, like, take a leap of faith and say I wanted to become a writer. I was scared to become a writer because everybody had said writers don't make any money. And, you know, like, I had to really, when I declared that, I decided I didn't care whether I made money or not. Writing was what I wanted to do. Right? And so... A week later, I met Jordana Spiro, who had written a script. Uh, well, she was working on a script that she needed a co writer for called Night Comes On. Long story short. I partnered with her, her on that script and went to Sundance. We sent it into Sundance. Sundance accepted it. Then mm-hmm. here I am going to the screenwriter's lab, and I lose my job because he gave me an ultimatum. He's like, okay, I was going to the screenwriter's lab in Park City in um, the middle of tax season, so he was like, you're out of here, right? He says, <laughs> you got to do this or that, and of course I chose my dream. Yeah. Um, but then, okay, fast forward to March 2014. I'm unemployed. I've applied for like Pinkberry and all these jobs, you know, and I'm living off of a grant, which was only uh, $2,500. I think, it was, no, it was only $5,000. The grant was okay. only $5,000. So, you know, that goes away quick. Right. Um, and I'm living off this grant and I'm looking for a plan B. And my plan B was the shade room. Literally, mm-hmm. it was supposed to be like a side hustle that the the biggest i saw it getting my vision at the time was like oh i'm gonna have this site that has like a hundred thousand people one day that follow it and you know and it's gonna be my little hustle that i do on the side while i write screen well god laughs at your plans because <laughs> my, like I, literally a weekend i had ten thousand followers right wow. because i was I I didn't do it on the website because I didn't know how to build a website, so I started on Instagram, which ended up disrupting uh, media in a sense because nobody had directly published to Instagram before because it didn't make any sense. Why would you, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I did it on accident because I just didn't have the technological skills nor the budget to create a website, and it was something new and hot at the time, and people weren't used to getting their news that way, and so it started to go viral, and 10,000 after the first week, in six months we were at a half a million and it was just- It just went from there. It went from there, yeah.
0: It's kind of crazy because like now I feel like, you know, back you know, here in 2021, I feel like a lot of us now get our news on Instagram. So you guys are almost at the forefront of that whole process.
3: Yes, um, it was right after BuzzFeed went to Facebook. You know what I mean? Was using Facebook as a big vehicle. And then you right. slid right in for celebrity news. And yeah, it was like the forefront of that for sure. Yeah,
0: That's amazing. Did you have any idea it ever gets to this level? I mean.
3: No, I, I thought it was going to be at best a, a side hustle. That's it. I, I never thought it would ever get to this level. It it surprised me for sure. Yeah, yeah That's
1: amazing. There, there are probably like thousands of people on Instagram or social media trying to get big social media followings. a lot of people are doing okay, but not at your level. What do you think is like practical, doable tips that anybody can do to up their Instagram game?
3: So I think one of the things that The Shade Room does really well in order to get, um, you know, a lot of followers and just people um, interested is engagement, right? And so, the way that we, you know, are able to be really like master engagement is by breaking down every single thing that does, that goes right. You know what I mean? Like if we, like I'm the type of person, like my my uh, friends and family always talk about me because if I'm posting a video on like my personal social media, I'll watch it 30,000 times, right? I'll watch it, I'll watch it over and over and over again and they're like, Well, how many times do you have to watch this video? I'm like, I have to see every single part of this video to see why anybody would want to watch it. Mm -hmm. And That's the thing that I do for um, our platform is that I literally study it, I I break it down. How many people shared it? You know how you can see the shares and what they're saying? I'll go to the shares and see what they're saying, why they shared it to their page. What did they connect? How did they connect with the content? What did they say in the comments? How many of you, I'll watch it over and over again to see why that piece of content worked. And I think that it's important to understand why your audience likes the things that they like and why don't they like the things that they don't like, you know? And so we have been able to, you know, from, from the time there was only 300 followers, I was able to literally lean in and pay so much attention to them that I knew why they liked things and why they didn't like things. And I feel like that's the number one thing is to figure out when you have a post that does well, you have to break that down a million times until you can literally say word or like specifically why this video did well and why your audience likes it. I'll give you an example. We felt like we were getting stale, like the celebrity news world was getting stale. So I said, okay, well, let's try something different. Let's try T.S.R. Shady Species, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, what do you guys like? I like, I like uh, watching Animal Planet. Okay, whatever, right? We tried it, and our audience, we looked at it, and we figured out what they liked about it. They wanted they what they liked were things that they didn't see every day in everyday life. They don't want to be able to see it on National Geographic. They don't want to. <laughs> you know what I mean? They want to learn so, so. They want something outrageous, new. And then they like learning something. In the comments, they were saying, we like Shade Room Zoo. We like having a break from celebrity yeah. gossip. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They liked it. And so, so so we literally studied why they liked it. Okay, they like a break. They want some information. They want some information they can't get anywhere else that is not overly saturated. Okay, you know what I mean? Give them some more of that, right? right. And so it's really about understanding your audience, what they want to see from you, what they like, and what, and what your strengths are.
0: Yeah. And I was about to ask you that if you if you notice what specific type of content was getting more reaction compared to other stuff. Was it at the beginning? Was it mostly the celebrity focused stuff or was it other things?
3: You know what? People always um, are surprised when I say this celebrity news does not actually do the best on our page. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was then I'll tell you why people don't really like to share. The drama on their personal pages they like, it's like a guilty pleasure, right? right. So don't some,
0: don't tell anybody, right? Yeah, don't tell
3: anybody that I'm like, you know what I mean? And then a lot, you know, some of them will engage on their fake pages or whatever, right. you know what I mean? Use the
0: burner so, accounts. Yeah. yeah,
3: use the burner account. So it wasn't, so when we saw the celebrity news, we knew that it, it caused a lot of people to come to our page and it did cause a lot of engagement, but it wasn't the thing that was marketing the shade room the most. Like they weren't sharing that. You know, as much as they would share morning inspirations, our most commented post that we have on the shade room is morning inspirations. It got a hundred and like eighty thousand comments. Um, you know, some mm. just a morning inspiration. We noticed that they. Want to share that because they want to in- inspire their um, their the people that are following them. That's something that they can get behind in their personal brands. Share it, post it. You know what I mean? Things like that. Um, they like relationship stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if we did. So we yeah. started bringing in TSR proposals and you know TSR matrimonies and these are the things that they would share then. We noticed that we wanted to differentiate ourselves from a lot of the other sites. And so we said, well, let's get creative and start doing fantasy posts. Our idea of fantasy posts are like um uh, what's it? It's um where we kind of like fantasize like this alternate reality, right? So we'll say, What do what do um your your favorite zaddies look like if they were salt had salt and pepper beards and salt and pepper, you know, here they were older or whatever. Or what would what, what would Obama look like with tattoos or something like that? We noticed that. Nice. They started to gravitate towards that. They loved it. It was different.
1: That's fun. There
3: was no way that I would know everything from the jump. You just try things. And when you, Mm. what we're good at is we try. There's stuff that we've done that just tanks and they didn't like it. You just try things. And when you try things and it does well, you study it so much to figure Mm. out why it did well, because you can replicate it and then you can teach it and train other people to do it the same way. So that's kind of how we we did it.
0: Yeah. Go ahead.
1: for the uh for the shade room's success how much do you attribute it to right place right time you're seizing an opportunity because not many people are doing news on Instagram versus just your tenacious work ethic and is it possible for somebody to do what you're doing and reach your level today or is it not possible anymore they have to find their a different different niche i would say 50/50, 50-50. the reason 50-50. i
3: would say i would say the reason i would say 50/50 is because when you disrupt anything, you get the you get the most rewards, right? Okay. So when you're the first when you're the first to like come into something and you're disrupting it and it's this new hot thing, nobody is gonna reap the rewards like you do, right? Now, the other 50 is maintaining that and and being able to grow and flourish as a business. So, yes, you get the opportunity to disrupt, but how are you managing that? How are you keeping that momentum? How are you uh, growing and flourishing as a company? I would say 50-50 because the, the reason why I say this is because if you wanted to do what we're doing now after all these sites have done it, like you said, everybody gets their news from social media. It's a, it's a ton of uh, media companies on um, Instagram. Would you get the same initial thing we got? Maybe not, but there's also something that you can do. You, you, there's always the ability to disrupt something. You can disrupt something now. You can disrupt what we're doing now. You know what I mean? And so I would say that's number one is disruption is always you'll reap the first fruit to that. The second thing is how unique are you? What, what is it that you're giving to the audience? Because if you're going into a market that's overly saturated, what are you bringing to the table that's new and fresh that also will help? You know what I mean? It it doesn't mean you have to disrupt an entire industry, but you just got to serve an audience that isn't being served, right? Mm -hmm. And so when it came to us, we were serving the Black audience like very, I mean, here's the thing: like we haven't changed. Like our audience, we still serve the black audience, but our audience is so diverse now. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so we we've stuck to that, serving them news 24 <laughs> seven. You know what I mean? Which you know they weren't getting at first. There was no 24 seven platform that they were be getting news from. I mean, we're not 24 seven anymore, but basically almost from yeah. 11 p.m. Pacific to I think three four a.m. in the morning. We start we start back on three or four a.m. in the morning, but It's like we were serving our audience what they wanted constantly, constantly, constantly. And we were learning them and being real specific with them. And so I would say it was 50-50 for sure.
0: Nice. And I mean, congratulations on the success, of course, obviously. Um, Now where you guys are at now, where do you see the future of the Shade Room going?
3: Well, so the future of the Shade Room really is, number one, you know, companies that I look at, right? Because if I ask you, how long do you think CNN is going to be around? And you won't you're gonna be like, forever, right? Like, I mean, in your mind, wouldn't you think they'll be around forever? Yeah. Not me, but I'm Nobody special. That.
1: <laughs> you said what? I said, I don't think they're gonna be around forever. I think they're dying, but I feel like that is the counter narrative.
3: Oh yeah, but you, I'm, I'm saying like Fox News or these these um, companies- this huge, that, Yeah, huge,
0: huge company. News
3: yeah. You don't really ask or think, when are they gonna go out of style? Right. I think that um, it's because they provide information for people um that people need on a daily basis and so where we're headed is that we want to kind of morph the shade room into a place where we're really providing hardcore information that people need you know we've we've been going into the courtrooms, we've been getting more coverage about things that are happening in politics and stuff like that to basically position ourselves as a platform for information as well which we found has made us like when i when i go talk to kids they're like oh the shade room is my new source you know what i mean like that's very valuable also, we're going into programming. So, we did three shows for Facebook. We have a dating show coming out. We have a show on Oxygen that's coming out. I have a movie that I'm working on with Universal. And so, it's, you know, we're getting into programming and then we're also going further into news. And that's what, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on. My last
1: question on Shade Room before we get to the the movie is now that you're like, like and over the past few years, now that you're blown up, now that you're becoming like the mainstream that like kids today are going to rather than what other people think of as the mainstream, do you feel like you need to like, just, you know, you want access to these celebrities. So you feel like you need to be nicer to them and not throw as much shade or? <laughs>
3: you know what to be real with you when we first started we were extremely salacious um and we have gotten nicer in a sense but at the same time the celebrities don't really drive the shade room it's the people so the moment that the people don't trust us anymore and they don't trust our news and they think we're being we're doing payola (laughs) or whatever right the moment it gets to that we lose our audience and we no longer have a platform so i think that our um my goal is to please the audience. And I say like, there's been a lot of celebrities that do want to be be friends and stuff like that now. And I'm like, actually, where It works better with the the less uh, celebrity friends I have, honestly, <laughs> because <laughs> when, when, once you start being friends with them, now, now it's like, oh, don't post anything on me, then they try to right. control the platform, take that down, do this, da, da, da. and right. it's like, oh no, I'd rather y'all not even be my friend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like I like life like this a lot better, so.
1: woman well, of the people, I like that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And you, uh, you obviously kind of talked about it. Your initial goal was to be a writer. So um, you're now working on this, this movie called Juju with Issa Rae. Uh, first of all, for the audience, if you can tell us what the movie's about, um, you know, kind of go into that a little bit.
3: Yeah, so the movie's based in New Orleans and it's about a group of high school kids who have had, you know, a hard time going through high school. One is uh, a former foster youth who's in a group home. You know, another one is uh, what people would call a hoe or whatever who came, who, who's kind of trying to escape that title or slut shaming. And then mm. you have one that's a chunky girl, you know what I mean? Who's always been kind of picked at and laughed at. And then a the guy who is, um, he's, he's a black male, but he it doesn't fit your typical uh, idea of masculine. You know what I mean? Like he, he's not what people would call masculine and so he gets picked on and they decide to come together to kind of change their last year of high school to something that is amazing and they try to control their fate you know in their last year of high school and you know whenever you try to control something that's when things start going crazy so that's that's kind of what it is they okay. try to control it with magic black
0: magic mm, okay uh, you know so what, I mean? what did the idea originate from and how did it kind of get started
3: so first of all when i was younger hocus pocus was one of my favorite movies and like great one uh, i like the i like the crafts i like the craft but i always wanted to see black faces on um, the big screen. And I wanted to see us dance in fantasy. I feel like a lot of times you never get to see, we have like the um, slavery stories or like, you know, like black trauma stories, but very rarely do you get to see us being Sabrina the Teenage Witch or something like that, right? And then also for me, I was in uh, foster care, like, you know, like you guys said earlier, and um, I I was not only in foster care, I was the the hoe and I was the big girl. (laughs) You know, be like all of these characters are literally who I was. And so my high school years (laughs) and my, (laughs) were like horrible, right? And so Mm -hmm. I've always wanted, like when I was in high school, I used to, when I would watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I would always want to have like magic at my disposal so that I could like get back at the people that were, you know, talking about me or, you know, change my situation or get out of, I mean, the things I would do to my foster parents back then, I mean, with magic, you know, but I didn't have that opportunity. So now that I get to write about it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is fun. And so that's kind of where it came from, the idea.
2: Now, I've worked with Issa Rae uh, on this upcoming season of Insecure. She's super nice, great to work with, but how did she get involved? But still a great get, obviously. Everybody would love to work with her. Uh, How, uh, How'd you get her with your project? How'd that come about?
3: Well, I got her through a mutual friend. So, well, first of all, Issa Rae has always been very supportive of me. When I when I was when the shade Room first started, well, before it was anything really, um, she offered me a free office in Inglewood, California. Oh, wow. You know, because she just saw me and she was like, "I really want to like empower you." It was nothing that she wanted back from me. <laughs> nothing. About was, what year was this? Uh, this was when I was living in Inglewood, so I had to be. 2015, I would say, too. like mm, the show wow. started in 2014, so I would say it was 2015. This is when she had done awkward black girl. I think this was before insecure. Mm. I don't remember, I think it was before Insecure. Yeah, it was, it was because I remember my sister said she knew her, my sister loved her. And I was like, oh yeah, my sister loved you. She saw you on Aqua Black Girl. And um, we were at a restaurant and she just offered me that. And I was like, oh, wow. And she's always been supportive ever since then. But what happened was I was at dinner with Lala Anthony, who was a friend of mine. And we were just, you know, at dinner. I said, we should do like a YA, A genre movie about you know magic and black kids from new orleans and like she loved it and so she um set up a meeting with isa and isa heard it and got on board it was just that simple and then the but the thing was i am a new writer so I, i hope we get to talk about that because the first script that i wrote was um that went to Sundance with Jordana. And that was the first time that I got to write a script and it was a co-written script. So I would write my horrible uh, scenes in like the most horrible structure, you know what I mean? And I would send it to Jordana who has a master's from Columbia in screenwriting and she would um, fix it up for me. And I didn't realize how much she did for me until it was time for me to write my own script solo. Mm. Because what happened was that I had that opportunity and then HBO reached out to me. Well, I don't know if I should have said the network. Okay, scratch that. Uh, <laughs> a big Network reached out to me, and they wanted me to write with, um, what's his name? He's the one who did, the, he wrote with The Wire. I forgot. Well, how did I forget his name? He wrote The Wire. Oh, big, um, big Yeah, that guy's a big I, I, I Ed, love The Wire. I love The Wire. Yeah, he, it's a great Ed, show. Ed, Ed Burns?
1: I don't know. I forget. Okay. No, he's, a, he's a he's a very, like, recognized guy for his writing.
3: He's recognized. No, no, that's why I said I'm mad that I'm messing up his name. <laughs> anyway, but they, they, they wanted to hire me to do that project, right? And they fired me, long story short. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then like, I wasn't really, I mean, it was like a show about drugs. And honestly, you know, it just, I don't know. I, I wasn't good at it. So they fired me. And then all of a mm. sudden, I got this opportunity. And so um, me being able to, uh, me going from Indie, as a co-writer to studio as a solo writer is like taking somebody who played in a basketball backyard boogie game and then telling them to go to the NBA. NBA. (laughs) It's It's
0: a a huge jump. Yeah.
3: It's, it's, it's actually crazy, you know? So I'm dealing with that transition there. That's
0: that's an amazing opportunity.
2: So for the, for those new writers, I just want to make sure, because there, we have a lot of young filmmakers, young writers watching our podcast, like what would structure, would that be the advice you give them? Or like, and like, I don't want to brush past the new writer thing without some insights. You, you said made.
3: structure?
2: I'm saying like, is structure uh, one of the one of the most important things a key writer can make sure they have on, on lock? Or what yeah, would you say? Okay. Oh yeah, okay,
3: yeah. Cause one, let me tell you, cause I wrote my first um, draft, right? For for Universal, they didn't get it yet. But I went, I sent it through my producers, and um, one of the notes that I got was that, "Hey, your all your characters curse the same, <laughs> right?" And I was like. <laughs> You know, that's true. If every character says the same curse words the same way, you know what I mean? Like, cause I mean, you're a writer, so you're writing, you want to make sure your voice is not going into all of the characters and that's what was happening. And so I say, you know what, I'm on a time crunch because obviously, you know, you got to get, you're on a deadline and I'm like, you know, how do I learn dialogue from the ground up again? You know what I mean? Because I have to make all of these characters who are all based in New Orleans, they're all black. They're all in high school. You know what I'm saying? All of them have to be distinctly different. And so I was freaking out. But then I picked up this book. I, let me tell you what it's called. Cause it's, it's actually helped me a lot.
0: Yeah. I was gonna ask you if you had someone that was kind of mentoring you to kind of show you that a little bit. Oh you know, no. Just you know, all just, just throw, I, threw you into the fire.
3: I was thrown into the fire and i yeah. asked for a mentor i said please i need a mentor and they were like listen just go figure it out. all right they <laughs> trust so they like, trust you i was like listen it's called the it's called the story structure secret actions and goals by marshall Dotson. okay that's heard of that
0: i, I haven't heard of that you guys have you guys heard of it i'm not no
3: that book is genius and i'm gonna say why right because it breaks down the acts, you know, like you have the typical um, act structure breakdown and everything like that. And it's this and that, that wasn't helping me. This one broke it down, it broke the story down into six parts, right? Mm -hmm. And it starts with like the imperfect situation. And then like, it's, you know how you have one goal, the character has a goal across the whole film. This one breaks and changes the goal twice in each act, right? So it's like you're, you're it's constantly changing the goal and each goal is named something different. And what, what I learned was that a character's goals actually and the structure of a story will inform dialogue. You know what I'm saying? So it helped me, me having each character, it's like if, if you, there's a bank and one character is trying to rob the bank and the other character is trying to stop the robber from robbing the bank. The way that they respond, what they say, in in the dialogue is going to be distinctly different because they have different goals and so um once i applied that to my script it, it helped me tremendously in how they sound different because this person is wanting this, this person might be a little bit more aggressive, this person might be a little passive, you know what I mean, whatever, this person might say this, and it really helped me. So I would say the structure of your story is the most important part, you know, having that structure, identifying your character's goals, what your character wants in every scene, identifying why each scene is there and how it, um, you know, is getting your character to their goal, because, you know, there were, before I used to think, well, why is this scene here and how does it help the story? No, why is this scene here and how does it help your character's actions and getting to their goal is-, is I see. And so um, for me, I just, I signed up for UCLA classes, um, UCLA extension, which honestly, that wasn't the most, I mean, I know a lot of people probably use that and it's helpful, it wasn't the most helpful to me. The most helpful to me was like getting books from some of my uh, favorite uh, people or, uh, you know, going online and researching things and really breaking it down. That, that really helped me more. So.
1: Yeah. There's the shade. UCLA, not that helpful.
3: No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe it just wasn't <laughs> i've never been good at school like i i graduated with a 2.8 from college you, yeah. so school is not gonna be my type of thing you know
0: yeah it's just not your thing uh, so so where are you guys at in terms of like production at this point are you still is this are you still writing the script or is it finished or
3: no i'm still writing the script so okay my second draft and now okay. you know like i said some of the notes i got was that i wrote like a director instead of a screenwriter <laughs> so i mm-hmm. had to pull that um that my dialogue was kind of you know merging together and sounding the same and uh, and also, here's another one that was hard for me is when you're an indie writer and when you come from the Sundance boot camp. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because because um, Night Comes On was not only in the screenwriter's lab, it was in the producer's lab and the director's lab. You know what I mean? Like mm. it, it was really Sundance out. And yeah. so it, when you go to Sundance, they they don't tell you how to write studio like that's not their thing you know what i mean it's more like character driven um you know type of you know stuff like really diving deep into the character but when you think about studio you want those big set pieces and those huge moments for the trailers and stuff like that but i I can't write anything that's not character driven that's just not who i am so it's gonna have to be a merge of that but that was one of the things they said they're like you're writing like it's a fair we need you to make it a carnival and Mm.
0: i'm
3: like Mm -mm. They're like we could always scale down a carnival, you know.
0: Yeah, well that's interesting. That that's interesting that you've that that's how it is because I feel like the most important thing would be the characters more than anything else. So like yeah, I feel like the script should be very character driven, like you're talking about, because that's what we, I feel like that's why we tune into movies. We that's what we care about the characters, you know.
3: No, well yeah, that's true. I think well, I mean to better explain what they meant was. I write indie, so I write. I like, see. But the budget is two, three million dollars. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> and like the like those quiet moments. I mean, if you if you watched my uh, first uh, film, Night Comes On, it's really quiet. It's a mm. very quiet like artistic type of film, right? And so that's not. They want you if they have a eighteen million dollar budget. They want yeah. you to make them spend the money. Where they gonna spend the money at? Like they need some big moments. <laughs> they and some,
0: explosions they and need explosions and cars flying and like. Yeah.
3: They need cards, they need set pieces. They need people to want to go watch this in the movie theater. And so right. that was the hardest part of of this whole thing, I would say. Okay.
0: That's really cool. So just out of curiosity, you getting back notes, are they mostly notes coming from the studio or is it, you know, the director have, attached or is it kind of like a combination?
3: Mostly from the directors and the producers.
0: Okay. Yeah, I was just kind of wondering if it changes with the studio and stuff like that. How involved are they, you know what I mean? Or they kind of give you guys free reign to just do whatever you want.
3: Well, we're in the beginning stages. So I definitely believe once we get to that point, they're gonna have more like involvement. But right now we're like amongst ourselves saying, how do we turn in the best version of this script to them? You know what I mean? Mm. So that they have as little, uh, you know, but everybody, all of my like my producers, Denise Davis and people like that, they've done studio films before. So they know exactly what notes to give.
0: Nice. That's really, that's really cool. Um, and- All right, awesome.
2: I was in our in our final five six minutes. I would love to know if you what influences do you really like now? And I'm I'm not talking about the greats, like everybody knows. I'm talking about the up and comers. Is there any writers or actors or comedians or anything that you like?
3: Oh my God, that's too hard. I would have to really sit down um, because a lot of because I'm because you said that up and coming. Oh my God, I would have to really
2: like who do you listen
1: to or or watch? Or even hot right now.
0: She's always yeah. working, guys. Come on. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, no, I, I would need to, like, put a list together because it's too many. I don't even know All where right? to start. But I will say, I mean, for for the movies that, if I could say my favorites or whatever. The yeah, please. I'm I want to of, hear them. I'm really inspired by be- Beasts of Southern Wild will always be, you know, one of my favorites because, again, it merged that, black talent with fantasy in a way that even though it did it was there it did cover some trauma um you know i love being immersed in that film because of how how much fantasy was in there and the, you know and the, and i feel like it was really character driven and the, mm-hmm. the the dialogue was so on point and you know it was so authentic i love really authentic dialogue um moonlight uh, mm. a lot of it, it was one that's a that great I, movie yeah and obviously, I love the old school ones like *Loving Basketball*, *Menace Society*. You know what I mean, Those like, you know,
0: quality, quality movies.
3: I, I, I like I like quality, authentic dialogue, quality characters, and and everything like that. But I do have some other ones. I'm just I'll I, put you I, on the spot. You <laughs> put me On the spot, but I, I have other ones. Yeah.
0: Is there anything specifically that you would like the audience to know about this film right now that you that you're working on, or what are, yeah, what are they, what can they be in store for?
3: Well, you know what um that's hard to say now only because it's such you know it's in the infant stages (laughs) so who knows what this will turn into but one thing that i'm dedicated to is authenticity you know i really want to dive into um what it really you know something that we all can connect to which is really like self-love right you know, um, it's really it's really hard to just accept yourself, especially when you are, you know, in a world that is so uh, materialistic and, um, you know, superficial in a sense, right? Like, you know, in certain ways, mm-hmm. it's hard to kind of love yourself for who you are and love what you bring to the table and show up in the, in, in proud in that way. And so I definitely want to tap into that in everybody, you know what I mean? Because I believe we all feel it in some way or, you know, and also, h- how to harness your own mag- magic that's inside of you. You know what I mean? I feel like that is something that I definitely want people to understand. Is like we all have magic, and how do we find that magic? How do we believe mm-hmm. in that magic? Um, we don't have to go to the witch doctor, in the theater, or you know, whatever. <laughs> <and> get it? <laughs> um, and uh, it's gonna be bigoted black. I mean, you know, the whole uh, the producers and the director are all black women. And I feel like I'm proud of that because, you know, that's not always the case, you know? Yeah. And so women, first of all, and then black as well. And then it being based in New Orleans, it's just like, I'm not, I feel like it's going to bring so much to the table. So I'm excited about it. I really,
1: yeah. yeah. I, I really like Beasts of the Southern Wild as well. Do you think your movie, since it is set in New Orleans and it's about like juju magic and stuff, it's going to be like, just as like gritty, like,
3: like beasts was Listen, that's what i'm fighting for i'm like i'm um, gonna let me i don't care what studio this is at. please let me keep my gritty i need. <laughs> I, I i love gritty i love it you know what i mean and so me um, it's
0: my favorite too yeah
3: i want it to be gritty and uh um, and magical like beasts of the wild I, like that's you know
0: yeah and i know this is like you said it's still in, in the infant stages but um can we kind of like anticipate that this is going to be something you're going to continue doing writing on other projects you know more more, more tv it shows that yeah. was a yeah
3: it was my original dream um and i have another series that i think is going to be interesting that i'm pitching now um yeah but it's definitely i'm definitely going to continue to do more like this i think that for me the hardest part is trying to figure out because you know a lot of times when we write we're like okay quentin tarantino is quentin tarantino mm-hmm. like you know these people aaron sorkin is aaron sorkin like they like these people have brands and styles and tastes and i was talking to my sister the other day and i was like i don't know my style like mm-hmm. what is my style and she's like you just got to keep doing it to figure it out like mm-hmm. <laughs> like how, how is anybody gonna know what what their style is unless they keep writing for sure you know? and, and so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep writing and figure out who, who is Angelica Wanda as a writer. What is my style? What do I bring to the table? What's, what is my voice? It's, I'm in a vulnerable state right now, so I'm just trying to figure it out. Yeah.
2: I think that is a great yeah. ender to a great conversation. Absolutely. Would you give us, let the audience know where they can find you, where they can keep up with you?
3: Well, the shade room is one thing, yeah. but also my personal IG is no IG Angelica. That's my name because I, for years, I, I literally just got an IG. So, so <laughs> when, when everybody, when everybody would tag me on Instagram, they would say, they would tag a fake no page that said no IG Angelica. So I just ended up opening my Instagram with that page. All right. And you can also email me at Angie at the shade dot
0: Okay. And do, right, and and can, can they follow the movie anywhere? Is that any social media set for the movie yet? Or not yet?
3: No, 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 yeah, yeah. Got it.
2: Perfect. Awesome. Well, all links will be down below in the video description. Um, great episode, guys. Yeah. Thanks for coming on today, Angie.
0: Thank you so much, Angie. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys.